This is Pop Culture Confidential, and I'm Christina Yerling Biru. Hey everyone, welcome to Pop Culture Confidential. Welcome, Awards Watch Eric Anderson. He's back. You've had such an exciting week. I can't wait to talk to you about it. I can't wait to talk about it too. It was a lot. Yeah, I saw a lot of things and I have a lot of things to say. <laughs> well, here's what I thought we'd do today. So it's already mid-November. Um, we're going to be continuing the year-long conversation we've had about all the movies that make up the Oscar conversation from Sundance and Telluride and Venice. We talked about all those. Now we have a new group of films from Brana to Paul Thomas Anderson. And you're back. You had a sharp-dressed adventure at the AFI Fest in LA, <laughs> mingling with stars, getting beat up on Twitter. I want to get into that. <laughs> so this is what I talk about first, and that's fans. So yeah. lately, we've seen a lot of incredible fans, positive and negative. I'm talking about the Free Britney movement and a hugely important component in ending the Britney Spears conservatorship of 13 years, the Taylor Swift Swifties and their love for her, including Dionne Warwick, apparently. So Jake Gyllenhaal better give back that scarf. <laughs> my, my poor man, he is just not having a good week. But you've been through something this week. A few days ago in LA, you, you wrote a short review, a commentary on Twitter about your thoughts on the new film House of Gucci um, starring Lady Gaga. And suffice to say, her fans, also known as Little Monsters, reacted. Tell us what yes. happened. What, what, a, what an appropriate name for them. Yes. yes. Um, you know, it was, it was, I guess, kind of unexpected. I Maybe I should have expected it. Um, I did go in really thinking I would like it and wanting to like it. I loved the trailer. I thought the, you know, it looked glamorous and fun and campy and sharp and all of these things. And it ended up being the opposite of all of those things. When I was done, it's two hours and 45 minutes. I would have cut 45 minutes out of it completely because there's so much that uh, ends up just talking about like the, the behind the scenes business of Gucci. So it's a lot of people sitting around tables and talking and it was really, really boring for a story like this. And all of those scenes did not involve Lady Gaga, uh, which was to its detriment. So I kind of, I came out of it. I was pretty agog throughout the whole thing at some of the choices, the the tone is all over the place. Every person is playing in an entirely different movie. And if you think that Jared Leto's performance in the trailer is over the top, you haven't seen anything wow. until you've seen the movie because it is, it's beyond. And I saw it with um, a very good friend of mine who is Italian and he was quite literally offended by Jared Leto because it was so cartoony. It was so just what it was. And, you know, I think the general public might eat that up and I think they might like it a lot, but, you know, I made my, my comments about how I felt about it. I thought it was a total disaster. And at that point, everything just descended and these, these fans, 
were attacking. And it was kind of funny because it's not that I have a thick skin, but you know, I've, I, I, I don't get hurt really <laughs> by, by people on the, the internet, you know, calling me whatever they call me. And it was everything. It was my age. It was my appearance. It was being a Madonna stan and trying to like gotcha me with, you know, anything that I would ever post about Madonna or Kristen Stewart mm -hmm. and all of these things. And it just kept escalating and escalating. And it's not just me, other people, my friends and peers that had even like the slightest negative, negative thing to say were attacked with emails. And uh, one had their uh, Twitter account attempted to be hacked and set constant like uh, password resets. Some, it really blew up even more uh, into wishes of suicide, uh, death, death threats. It just, it didn't, it didn't stop. It didn't stop. And this is the thing about fandom that is always the, the worst part is that these, this group of, of fans, which is not, you know, the majority by any means is so disconnected with the person that they idolize in terms of what that person would want from a fan, uh, especially somebody like Lady Gaga. Yeah, who... I was going to say, you've been covering her for forever. This is not something she would sure. want to see. No, never at all. And, and you know, that goes for any person with a fan base that is rabid, uh, Taylor Swift, anybody at all. And, you know, generally this does, the field dominates female artists. That's just kind of, the way that it is, whether it's an actress or a, a singer, uh, Kristen Stewart fans are, are really wild, Ariana Grande fans, Dakota Johnson. And we're in a year where all of these fandoms are sort of converging in one pot at the same time, which has really been wild. Because this happened actually to me in Telluride too, uh, with Dakota Johnson and Jamie Dornan being in the same place at the same time. I got over a hundred horrific messages uh, and accusations and all these awful things in the space of like two days. And it's just but been nonstop. For what? You like Dakota Johnson. I mean, were you it wasn't actually I mean, even anything to that. do with that at, at that point. At, at the, the, the first ones that came in from that were just announcing that, you know, they were at the same place at the same time in context of everybody else that was going to be at Telluride. And then that Netflix party uh, that I went to and took pictures and video of, of dancing and stuff, that's when it really just kind of blew up and and people were like, we know you have more pictures of, uh, of Jamie Dornan and Dakota Johnson together. And why are you trying to wreck Jamie Dornan's marriage? I mean, it was beyond, it was beyond <laughs> belief. So it's, I don't know. It just really was, it was more depressing than anything because I do, I do like to feel that I have a decent amount of integrity when it comes to things that I talk about. And I try not to have bias as much as possible, unless it's like Jake Gyllenhaal. And then, you know, I will have bias <laughs> towards him anytime and every time. But you know what? I also love Taylor Swift. So two things can be happening at the same time. So keep the scarf, but it's still a good song. And same thing with Lady Gaga. I love, love, love her. I love, love Madonna. Two things can happen at the same time.
But I mean, in, in all seriousness, what does this mean for film criticism, for, for writers, um, this type of just rabid attacks that you get on social media? It, it's scary. It sounds like there were a couple of those things were pretty scary. Definitely. And it's not even that I, my, my good friend Carlos got heated, horrible emails about a negative review for Sing 2, the mm -hmm. animated movie of all things. It was so bizarre, but you know, this, I, I don't know what the, I don't know what the answer is other than just mute people, mute them into oblivion. I won't block people anymore because then people can use that as like a badge of like, oh my God, they blocked me. And that means they can't face the truth and all of these things. If you just mute people, they'll keep talking and you'll, you'll never hear from them and they'll never hear from you. And just let them, let them talk into the ether and, and be in their, their like own bubble. All I need to focus on and all I can focus on and anybody that's, that's a, a peer is, is what our work is period. There is, there's nothing else that we can do. I, I can't um, think about a fan reaction. As soon as I do that, I, I think, I think, you know, I should pack it up. You know, comic book superhero movies are the same thing. Um, if you don't like one, you know, you get tons and tons of, you know, tweets and comments. It's, there's there's yeah, there's the too many fans or dc fans together you know fighting and they're really about fighting with each other and then they go and find like a a critic and and just want to you know devour them i i don't know it would take too much of my time if i just obsessed Has over it calmed it. down now yes yeah okay good good i was just gonna say i'm really gonna be curious when for example when the house of gucci reviews come out of what that looks like uh you know it's i don't know i think it could be you know a big giant bomb i think it could be you know really well reviewed it could be right in the middle but it will be really interesting to see once those reviews finally come out i think it's on november 22nd i think um and then you know to see what that response is but then i have them all muted so i won't see what their response is You've watched them in unforgettable adventures, love affairs, and tragedies. Now it's time to hear their own remarkable stories. From the makers of Death of a Rockstar and Death of a Sports Star, this is Death Ready. of a Film Star. And Starring Heath Ledger, Marilyn Monroe, Chadwick Boseman, Robin Williams, Carrie Fisher, and Bruce Lee. Search for Death of a Film Star in your podcast app. You've seen them tell stories. Now it's time to tell theirs. But let's get into other things that you saw there at AFI. In, what is it? Uh, it's the American Film Institute. It is Los Angeles based, and it is the last big festival of the season. And it does have world premieres. There were three big ones uh, here this year, as well as things that have played throughout the season already. It's normally really short, like four days. Um, they added an extra day, but the 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 timing of a lot of the movies is a little awkward and kind of hard to to hit 
too many things and there's not a lot of repeats like with other festivals that are longer you know you have a 10 or 11 day festival if you miss you know your movie on a monday you can still see it tuesday wednesday thursday friday right. somewhere down the line um and there wasn't a lot of opportunity to do that so my focus was on the world premieres as well as what i always do when i go to afi and that's hit guild screenings of everything else like gucci and and the other things that i saw but it was it was a really exciting festival it always is because it's LA based, you have this energy of, um, you know, the people attending plus everything's on Hollywood Boulevard. So you have paparazzi and fans and it's loud and wild. Like the, you know, Halle Berry's premiere and Will Smith's premiere were huge, just packed streets. And that's kind of what you, that's sort of what you see kind of on the other side on like from television when you watch a premiere is all of this, the the glitz and glamour compared to something like Telluride, which is so low key and there's no red carpets, there's no paparazzi, everyone's wearing jeans and there's no, you know, dresses from, you know, Gucci or Rodard or anything like that. Right. It's, it's the, it's the opposite of that, but I love having both of those. I love, I love experiencing both elements of those. It's, it's fun. It's part of the artifice, which I think is part of the fun too. It's, you know, we're all kind of playing a game here. Um, <laughs> and it's, and you know, as, as long as we know the rules and we're all playing the same game, it's fun. Except it's for really the little cool. monsters aren't playing a game, but the rest of Well, they're not there. That's why they're doing, that's why they're little keyboard commandos doing it from the outside because they're, they're not there. They haven't seen the movie and they just want to talk. Um, but the festival was really fun. I always really enjoy it. Uh, so what was it, the world premiere? The open, the opening world premiere was Tick Tick Boom, and my gosh, I have rarely had a more active film experience than that movie. It felt like it was like I was in New York because every song was applause and cheering. Uh, there's one number that has a huge amount of Broadway cameos. Each new person, more applause, bigger and bigger until the last one, which the theater just exploded. And it was aside from that, because it's it's very easy to get caught up in the moment of what Let you me think just about. Back up and say what it is in case. So oh, it's, yes. It's Lin, Lin Manuel Miranda's directorial debut, and it's a the a musical about Jonathan Larson who wrote Rent and died before he even got to see it. Um, yes. And the success that it became. Yes. Starring Andrew Garfield. Andrew Garfield. Yes. Uh, I think it's his best performance by far. And I actually really loved him in Eyes of Tammy Faye earlier this year, too. Uh, he's he's ideal. He's perfect for it because Larson had this kind of persona of I can't believe he's straight because he's everything he's writing and doing and, and behavior feels really gay. <laughs> and Andrew Garfield kind of rides that line really beautifully, too. He's extremely fluid in how he's able to portray things and and do it in a way that is never, um, I don't know, offensive, I guess. Can I just say I've, I've actually also seen Tick, Tick, Boom. Um, <sighs> In The Way God and Lin-Manuel Miranda intended, on a screener with my name plastered all over it, on my iPhone, on the floor of my kid's room who couldn't fall asleep. And I loved it. 
That's crazy. I love it. Just to say that that a good movie is a good movie, and I cannot wait to see it in the theater. Thought it was. I was also crying, and I don't know how accessible will, it will be. It won't be as big as some of the other movies I believe we're going to be talking about. But I, it was really powerful. Um, as as somebody who actually did not know any of the songs, it didn't. Yeah, me it didn't. It didn't matter at all. I was completely in it from the opening, from the moment at the beginning. Absolutely into it. I loved every bit of it. Robin de Jesus, oh my oh, God. Oh, great. I want so many great things for him. He was, he was beautiful. He was I'm fantastic. I'm a sucker for that genre of musical, if you can call it that, the sort of mm-hmm. staging of another musical or the, mm-hmm. now I'm slipping my mind, a chorus line. Oh, 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 yes, yes, yes. Yeah. I love I a movie like the chorus line where you're actually yeah. p- putting up the production of the musical in the music. I'm a sucker for that genre. That, and this is kind of like that as well. You get to yes. see him working through a show. And at the same time, as you see, you know, how the songs related to his life at that point and, and to New York in those years. Mm hmm. Yeah, you you can see all the you see all the kernels of uh and breadcrumbs of, of rent in it, but it's um it's not like done in a way of like here's the trans friend, here's the I mean there's all it's not like that. It's it's just True. here's little bits and bits and pieces, and you and you know, if you know rent, you already know what you're you're seeing. Uh so I I I thought that was beautifully done. I was extremely impressed with Miranda's direction. Um, I thought he found the exact right balance between cinematic and theatrical in presenting it and when to do which one. And especially, like I mentioned, that that Sunday number and the thing he does with the diner. I was just like, you know what? This was as perfect as it could possibly have been. I just I loved it. Do you think it's going to be Oscar talk? A couple shows ago, we talked about the problem with the musicals not doing well. What about this well, one? Well, I mean, we still have West Side Story. I see that next week. Uh, but as of now, this is by far the best musical of the year. It's not even close. We will still have Golden Globe nominations and winners, even if we don't have a show. Uh, something like Tick, Tick, Boom definitely could have used a show. But it will do very well, I think. And Andrew Garfield will win, I think, pretty easily. I think he is. I'll have my uh, my best actor predictions next week because it's going to be really, really tough for me to figure out because I'm I'm pretty good with like my top four, but like five, six, seven. Wow, that's like a five, six, seven, eight. Um, and now, so. <laughs> that, uh, those 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 names and numbers are just ever changing and ever moving. But Garfield is definitely going to be way up there now. Eric, when we don't do this anymore, let's do the musical of predictions. I would love that, like Billy Crystal's old, you know, show. opening. <laughs> <laughs> that would be amazing. Uh, yeah, I think it. I think. I think it could do okay, but I mean realistically Garfield feels like the only real possible nomination, even though, again, I would love Robin de Jesus to get in very, very much. So I, I don't know. I've got to think about it. I've got to see what, what happens in December when we really start getting industry and critic uh, 
nominations and awards coming out, then we can see things start to take shape. Well, I'm going to put my cards on the table and say, after seeing King Richard, I am 100% sure that Will Smith is going to nominate and win. That's that's like done. It's a done deal. Will Smith plays Venus and Serena, the tennis legend's father. It's an incredible story about them growing up in Compton and how he trained them. And it's one of these movies that, I don't know if it's not a masterpiece, but you feel like you're in the hands of a great filmmaker, great lead actor. It's a very Oscar-y movie. The same way I kind of feel about Belfast. It's just a well done, a movie that you know you cry, you cheer, you laugh, you're happy for them. Um, and just solid filmmaking. And other than that, that Will Smith also with the narrative that the book he's releasing and that it's his time and this is such a incredible performance. I think I'm all set on that one. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, I mean, I think a lot of, of us have been, and certainly once it debuted at Telluride, and I think it was really interesting too, because Telluride, you know, is, it's a pretty snooty festival. It's a bit elitist, you know, but this is a crowd pleaser, like general public movie. And the decision to, to put it there instead of Toronto was at first really, really surprising, uh, but the response was great. And it is a fantastic movie. It's, it, yeah. And I know some, some people have been like, well, why are we telling the story of Venus and Serena Williams from the point of view of the father? Why don't we have their story? I mean, I can't disagree with that. And a version of their story from their perspective will be wonderful. They get a tremendous amount of screen time as youngsters, because this goes, you know, when they're just teenagers and, and preteens. Um, they get a tremendous amount of narrative and storytelling uh, within this two hours and 20 minutes. So I was more than satisfied with how the story told their story. Yeah, there's so much more story to tell. It ends when Venus is 14 years old. Um, exactly. I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing other films about them, but I thought this was a great choice and such an interesting, um, I mean, you got to see them through him, him through them. I really, really like Ingenue Ellis, mm -hmm. right, who plays his wife. I'm really hoping that buzz about her for a nomination because I thought their relationship, the couple, the, the, you know, how they talked about, you know, the choices they were making and what they were doing. That was really strong. Yeah, she's fantastic. And she always has been. And <clears throat> this is going to be a, a moment for her. So I'm, I think she's absolutely in way, way in. Yeah. And don't, do you, do you see my point with that sort of King Richard and Belfast are mm -hmm. sort of these big audience crowd pleasers that it feels like if the Academy has a year um, where they want this kind of comfort, solid filmmaking, tears and laughter and sort of the non-parasite Nomadland year. If they want that, these just feel like they're right in their corner. Absolutely. And they're both, you know, very family-based, family-driven stories. Um, and King Richard being from Warner Brothers, being a major studio, this is kind of sort of what I was had been stirring in in me since last year and last season was what is the what is the next the 94th Oscars going to look like with with big studios back on on the docket and and Warner Brothers is is the studio that is going to benefit the most they are going to have 
this and Dune and absolutely compete right with Netflix for like most nominations. It's going to be really exciting. Okay, I have a couple of others I have to ask you about. And that's Nicole Kidman in Meet the Ricardos, right? Being the Ricardos. Being the Ricardos. Yeah. Aaron Sorkin's movie about Lucille Ball. So yeah, when I when I go to AFI, I, I split my time between uh, the films that are that are there, uh, especially the world premieres. And there, there's more that like uh, Halle Berry's Bruised was a world premiere. Very good, very solid. Um, Benjamin Cleary's Swan Song with Mahershala Ali and Glenn Close, also very, very good. Um, and then what, what else I do is I go to all of these guild screenings of, of things that aren't going to play up in San Francisco where I'm at. Uh, so yeah, so that was House of Gucci being the Ricardos, um, Tragedy of Macbeth. Uh, so I, I really just packed my my schedule with all of these things so that I could make sure and have, you know, just the most well-rounded view of movies to make my predictions. And being the Ricardos, I didn't see the nighttime screening, which was on a Saturday evening because I was at, at Bruised. Uh, so I went the next morning at 11 in the morning and they still had like the full panel of, you know, Kidman and Bardem and J.K. Simmons and Nina Arianda and like the whole like technical crew and Aaron Sorkin, like everybody was there. And color me surprised because... It was sort of the opposite of House of Gucci for me, where the trailer and everything I had seen about being the Ricardos just was so, I was very nervous. Uh, Valley. <laughs> it was a little bit weird. It, I, was, I sort of felt like it seems like this was really rushed. And I'm going to be really disappointed if I'm watching this movie and it feels scattered and rushed uh, as a production. And it was the absolute opposite. Um, it was hysterically funny, extremely well-written. The comedy and the wit is so sharp. And the audience was absolutely just exploding with laughter. Um, but it is also an extremely grounded uh, drama, both in terms of a relationship drama a workplace drama and the red scare drama that Lucia Ball was under at the time, which is a very big part of the movie. Everyone in it is absolutely on point. Um, and admittedly the appearance and the voices of uh, Nicole Kidman and Javier Bardem are really, really distracting at first because mm -hmm. they don't really look like them. They don't sound like them. Um, but that, that dissipated pretty quickly because the performances were so good. Uh, I mean, they're just, it just, it never, it never missed. I, again, unlike House of Gucci, being the Ricardos was balancing tones like a, an absolute expert. And Nicole Kidman was good because the amount of vitriol that she's gotten and Deborah Messing get to play Lucille Ball. What is this? What's happening? What's she doing? The whole Deborah Messing thing is so bizarre to me. I mean, one, that Deborah Messing has like a legion of fans is just weird in the first place. But it's just like this, this was this was just like a little one-off thing that she did on a TV show. I would have hated Deborah Messing in this. 
absolutely hated it. So I, I'm so glad that that wasn't even like on the table for her to play her. Um, no, Kidman was great. And she's balancing two different accents and voices in this. And because Lucille Ball had one way that she talked in real life and, yeah. and, and, and one way where she was in character. And apparently she does that very well then. Very, very well. Uh, a, a good deal of the film is, is, is about a table read for an episode and it's broken down Monday to Friday. Cause everything that happens in this is like a week. Um, and there are flashbacks to certain episodes. There is Lucille Ball thinking about uh, the episode as they're like rehearsing it. Uh, so you have <clears throat> plenty of opportunities for Kidman to go in and out of both voices in one scene and beautifully. And you know, as much as I love Kidman and I love, love, love her, I'm always very critical of of her American accents, which are not that great. You know, she's still, she still, she, she doesn't curl that R to make a hard R on words. And it's, it's, it's that, uh, and those are always like the little giveaways uh, when she lets her Australian accent kind of sneak in there. And there isn't any of that in here at all, which was, you know, I was worried. I was worried about that. And there's none of it. She's spectacular. I'm so happy to hear that. And also for Aaron Sorkin, because this seems to combine everything, the political aspect, the behind the scenes of entertainment that he loves, that he's done, and also the fact that he's directing it. He hasn't done that match directing. Yeah. And that was, I mean, I was concerned about that too, but he's, he, he, he nails this. He really does. I mean, his comments aside about, I love Lucy not being funny anymore, which were really stupid. Um, what? what did he say she was? Yeah, he, he, he was like, I watched, you know, episodes of it now and it's just really not that funny. Like, are you out of your mind, dude? <laughs> just just don't say things. Not you don't have to say things all the time. You can just not say things. Yeah. Oh, my God. What a mess. Um, but no, he's he's wonderful. And just as a production, it's so flawless. The production design costuming. Oh, my God. It's exquisite cannot wait this that's yes. so much fun i love a, a, a sunshine story <laughs> i know i was i was just so happy to see something you know so fantastic and wonderful and you know what i what i was hoping for <laughs> um so yeah okay so tell me licorice pizza is fantastic and wonderful paul thomas anderson that was actually the first thing i saw even before any um uh AFI movies. I saw that at like 11 in the morning, uh, the, the opening day of AFI. And I really, really, really liked it. I didn't, I'm not like super in love with it the way that a lot of my peers were, but I really liked it. I think, um, I think Cooper Hoffman and Alana Heim are a dream for first timers. Oh my gosh. Just wonderful. Just romantic funny it feels um even though it's a very written film it feels very organic and free very kind of robert altman-y in that sense where you're not really sure what's scripted and what's just kind of happening mm -hmm. and, and it's really just between those two everything else you know it feels very written um but between those two it was just so organic their chemistry was beautiful 
Love it. Um, I have to back up. I didn't ask if you thought Nicole Kidman was a front runner now. I don't think she's a front runner, but she's, I think she's probably, she's in now. She's yeah. nominated. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, you know, I had her pretty far outside and again, totally based on the trailer. Things change when you see the movie. <laughs> Just letting you know, people <laughs> see the movie and then you can actually have something to say about it. <laughs> yeah she yeah no i think she's in more stuff from the festival that you want to mention specifically festival yeah halle berry's bruise uh i thought was really good it's um as a support story it's very paint by numbers and that's okay because we've never also seen her directorial debut yeah right? we've never and seen um it. a story like this about a black woman and certainly not from a black woman. So even if it is a paint by numbers sports story, it's not one we've seen before. So I, I really hope people kind of give it that credit when they, when they, you know, write a review or read a review or watch the movie. It's like, it can be, we know what's going to happen. We know what's going to happen, but we've never seen it from this perspective before. And she's fantastic. Everybody is very good. Mm-hmm. Very good. And uh, then Swan Song, uh, which is kind of like lo-fi sci-fi, a little bit of Ex Machina, a little bit of Black Mirror, uh, Mahershala Ali's first lead role. The man has two Oscars, and this is his first lead role. Wait, I was that was just confused me for a minute. Yeah, he mm-hmm. has. Although, you know, I mean, Green Book is sort of co-lead, but it's really not. It is, you know, Viggo Mortensen's story. Uh, but yeah, so that's really wild. He's wonderful. It's a dual role. Uh, and it's a story about a man who is dying of a disease and it's in the future enough that there is a company that creates, uh, complete clones of others. And it's, they don't know that they're not them and, you know, nobody does It's You can, they're just as, as good as a clone can possibly be. So it's the moral dilemma that he goes through of, you know, does he go through with, you know, this clone? Does he tell his family? How does that work? Uh, He reunites with Naomi Harris from Moonlight, uh, this time as husband and wife instead of, you know, these rivals. And she's wonderful, too. Uh, Yeah, I really liked it. Glenn Close, amazing, always. So, yeah. And then outside of the festival, um, oh, I did actually catch Parallel Mothers at the festival. That's right. Oh, you had not seen that. I hadn't seen it yet. And I don't mm-hmm. want to go without mentioning, you know, the glory that is Pedro Almodovar. I and saw it in Venice and I loved it. <laughs> oh, my God. Penelope Cruz, Penelope Cruz. Oh, my God. Goodness. She is amazing. Do you think Spain is making the right decision? I, th- I mean, sort of hoping that it will be nominated outside of best foreign since they didn't submit it i don't know what their thoughts were on that um although i do love the irony of picking penelope cruz's husband's movie instead yeah that's that's really funny to me um but it's not going to get nominated it's not getting in there parallel mothers would have gotten in so i don't know what their i don't know what their thought process was i think it's just really bizarre to me it's very strange getting in though penelope Yes, I would say she is top three. I don't know. It's a really tight. My my top four right now is just ah! <laughs> it's it's yeah, including one that I'm going to talk about in just a moment. 
And that's Frances McDormand in The Tragedy of Macbeth. Oh my God, is this movie exquisite. Just, now that's um, a trailer that if that ooh. trailer is not as good as the movie, I'm out of the business. <laughs> so oh, the, the, the movie is better than the trailer and it is exactly what the, you know, there's no misrepresenting what this, what this movie is and how this story is told. Joel Cohen's. It's just Joel Cohen. Yeah, not not Joel and Ethan, but just Joel. Denzel Washington, Francis McDormand. Who, is, I mean, is, nothing against McDormand, but especially Denzel Washington, really understands the language and cadence of Shakespeare in such a beautiful way. And everybody speaks in their own accents. There is no, you know, there are British people and Scottish and Irish and American, everybody just speaks in their own accents. So there's no like trying to, to find some, some happy medium there. And I love that. I thought, I thought it was great for this because it's already an abstract, um, very theatrical presentation of this. There, there's no locations. Everything is, is sound stages. And it's and it looks like that and it feels like that, which is actually fantastic. But as for all of my love of the score and the sound design is really good. Uh, obviously, the production design, the cinematography, which is black and white, four by three ratio from Bruno Delbonel. I am obsessed, absolutely obsessed with Catherine Hunter in this film. I want her to get nominated. She is, I mean, I guess she plays the three. She plays a lot of characters. Lot. <laughs> <laughs> I'll just say that. I mean, I don't need to like, you know, act like I can't spoil Macbeth. It's, it's Macbeth. Uh, she is absolutely extraordinary. One of the best performances of the entire year. I wanted a little bit more of her, but I got enough to be just absolutely just bowled over she's incredible that's great and do you think Frances McDormand's going to take two in a row or uh no I don't think she'll take two in a row although her record you know for getting nominated and winning best actress is three for three it's pretty good yeah <laughs> and there's kind of a sweet irony that Kenneth Branagh's gonna he's been nominated five times throughout his career. He's going to win for the first time, I think, but not for a Shakespeare adaptation while this other Shakespeare, incredible Shakespeare adaptation is out there. Yeah, it's going to be really wild for him because he has so many nominations in so many categories and he's going to add new ones this year because he'll add Best Picture and Original Screenplay. Uh, yeah, to he has actor and he has all director. Uh, supporting actor, adapted screenplay. He already has so many. He's it's the it's the it's very George Clooney. Anything else you want to mention? Let's see. What's today? Wednesday. Yes. I'm seeing. Don't look up tomorrow. I'm flying back to down to Los Angeles just to see this. Should and... we reevaluate? Because we tore that apart. We saw the first few minutes of a clip of Adam McKay's Don't Look Up starring Leonardo DiCaprio and Jennifer Lawrence and Meryl Streep. And we ripped it a new one. <laughs> and now the trailers come out, a new trailer. You know, here, here's, here's where I'm at. Here's where I'm at with that. Um, considering what happened with House of Gucci and being the Ricardos, 
I'm going to go into Don't Look Up with a completely open mind because my my impressions were subverted both times with those two movies based on you know trailers and preconceived notions and I need to dial back I think on how I feel something is going to be versus you know what it ultimately ends up being because if I think about it if my expectations were super high for Gucci but they were really super low being met is my response to it measured enough and same with being the Ricardos if my expectation was super low and I absolutely loved it does that make it a great film or is it just a good film because yeah. my expectations were low so I have to I have to think about that and that's you know I have to be honest about that and I have to I have to realize that that you know sometimes I can be hyperbolic what did you <laughs> sometimes. think about the trailer they released yesterday I didn't like it I didn't like it at all I mean, it, there were some funny parts. It was better yeah. than the footage we got to see, but I also have yeah. to say it was quite hysterical. <laughs> yeah. So I, there, there, as I was like, okay, I can I can get into this. And if it's like a full-blown comedy, I, I'm down. I'm definitely down with, with Maga Merrill. I think it's hilarious. Kate uh, Blanchett's, you know, Laura Ingram Fox News anchor looks extremely funny with those giant fake teeth and prosthetics and everything it's very bombshell um so yeah i sort of feel like it's gonna land somewhere between vice and bombshell but then i hated both of those movies so i need to be really careful okay. i need to i need to i need to measure my expectations so that i'm not like this was so amazing or this was super terrible just find you know find something find a measured response what is it tomorrow you're seeing it Thursday? it's tomorrow at six o'clock and then there's a full q a with uh leonardo dicaprio jennifer lawrence meryl streep and i will be in the same room as meryl streep for the first time ever and oh my god i cannot <laughs> wait i think i think i'm going to have to i <laughs> i think i'm gonna have to wear something very specific again yes like i did before that you had a spectacular necklace that caught oh yes, yes yes that was yeah well that whole outfit was very specific for Halle Berry the the hat the velvet jacket everything was all black except for this super gaudy necklace and then she loved it and I was just like well I know because I'm wearing it for you <laughs> uh and then the whole Dakota Johnson thing so I, yeah, I think I think I'm gonna wear that sweater again tomorrow good because because I'll be in the front row again so oh you know that already yep catch her eye I'm gonna try you want a Meryl and Eric moment. <laughs> oh my goodness. Yeah, that would be fun. What are we gonna talk about in December? What's what next time we talk? What are the big things? Well, right after this, next week, uh, I'll have I'll see West Side Story on the 29th and then Nightmare Alley on December 6th. Uh, so those are the two big, big ones coming up next. And then after that, it's uh, Matrix, Matrix uh, Resurrections. And they're having the world premiere of that in San Francisco. So I am you know, going to be definitely going to that. So hopefully reporting from it. 
let's talk after those three and ahead of Christmas and, and yes. um, see where you're at. Good luck tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> Say hi to Meryl from me. <laughs> oh my God. Yes. Because, you know, I hate being the center of attention. So we'll see how that oh, works you out. Hate that. <laughs> <laughs> Even when little monsters are attacking you. Bad, even bad press is press, I guess. Yes. It's the Yeah. Thank you so much. Thank you. Bye. Bye. History is complicated. The story of human progress is long, messy, and riddled with controversies big and small. On Conflicted, we dive headfirst into history's most infamous events and contentious figures. We try and untangle the good from the bad, the facts from the fiction, and the monsters from the misunderstood. Was Genghis Khan a murderous butcher or a civic pioneer? Did the Allied powers go too far in firebombing the German city of Dresden at the twilight of World War II? And how did the Marquis de Sade acquire such a sinister reputation? And was any of it true? These are just a few of the tough questions we wrestle with and investigate on Conflicted. So if you love history or just enjoy a good story, please join me, your host, Zach Cornwell, for a fascinating new topic each and every month. Conflicted, a history podcast, is available on Spotify, Apple, or wherever else you get your podcasts. I hope to see you soon.